The Apostle Paul had a microphone, even in prison. Since he lived during the first century, Paul's microphone was actually his reed pen and papyrus. His letters preach and persuade across miles. They function like social media. Even though he's locked up and unable to travel, he commands respect. People listen to him. In today's reading, Paul writes to a dear friend and co-worker named Philemon. He's wealthy and influential. He has a big home, large enough to host gatherings of the church. He and his wife, Aphia, are leaders of their congregation. The other thing we know about Philemon is that he owns slaves. Slavery was deeply ingrained in Roman society. And by the time of Paul, between 25 to 30% of all people in the Roman Empire were slaves. Entire families were sold into slavery when someone defaulted on a debt. Children born to slaves were automatically enslaved, guaranteeing the growth of the slave population. Slaves had no autonomy, no decision-making power regarding their own lives. In his letter to Philemon, Paul writes about an enslaved man named Onesimus. The word Onesimus was a common name for slaves. It means useful. If Paul's letter to Philemon is new to you, you're not alone. There's a reason you haven't heard about this letter. There's a reason Amy and I and other pastors haven't preached on Philemon. It's deeply problematic. Unfortunately, since its beginning, Christianity too often has cooperated with slavery. In his letter, Paul sends a slave back to his master. It's profoundly troubling. Paul, where were your powers of persuasion when Christianity needed them most? Why didn't you tell Philemon that slavery was wrong? Why didn't you tell him that to follow Christ, he needed to set Onesimus free? Onesimus, the useful one. He's the living, breathing subject of our letter. The traditional interpretation of this letter is that Onesimus is a runaway slave, a fugitive. Paul is returning him to his rightful master. Onesimus says nothing. He has no power and no permission to tell his own story. Yet, he's asked to carry this letter back to Philemon. What a terribly vulnerable place. How much Onesimus must trust Paul's powers of persuasion. How much he must trust God. Here in the United States, one pillar of pro-slavery thought was that the Bible supported the institution of slavery. White Christian ministers and theologians used this letter 
Philemon to justify the continued enslavement of African-Americans. They had a fancy name for Philemon. They called it the Pauline Mandate. To move forward in our day, we have to confront how Philemon actually was understood not that long ago. We can't read this letter in church today without facing and grieving our recent collective past, a past in which the biblical sanction of slavery and segregation and racism was taken for granted by some of our predecessors in faith. I share an excerpt from an influential Southern magazine in 1850 called Debose Review. Quote, now had the holding of slaves been a crime, Paul's duty to Philemon would have required him to instruct Philemon that he had no rights over Onesimus, but that the attempt to hold him in servitude was criminal. And his duty to Onesimus would have been in such case to send him to some foreign free country whereby he might have escaped from oppression. But Paul sent him back. Our Northern friends think that they manage these matters better than Paul did. Paul sent him back. Paul, you had your microphone, your power of the pen. Why didn't you forbid Christians from participating in slavery? If Paul had used his persuasive power, to denounce the institution of slavery, the history of Western Christianity, especially in the United States, might have been different. Today's reading is a reminder of how fallible we are and how important it is to read the Bible with humility. Otherwise, we are at risk to affirm previous assumptions, even the cruelest ones we hold. It's startling to realize that we are no more immune to this tendency than those who have come before us. Tradition says that Onesimus ran away from his master. Some speculate he may have mismanaged a business interest or even robbed Philemon. None of this is in our reading. Recently, younger scholars have suggested that Onesimus wasn't a fugitive, that Philemon knew he would, that Philemon knew all along what Onesimus, where Onesimus was. If he didn't, Paul's letter would have been longer because Paul would have had to explain the serendipity of his meeting Philemon's escaped slave, which means Onesimus most likely was sent by Philemon to care for Paul during his imprisonment. Paul comes to value Onesimus personally and professionally. He says Onesimus is like a son to him, my child. Paul then asks a favor, a big favor of Philemon. He tries to persuade Philemon to welcome Onesimus into his home, into his household, as if Onesimus were Paul himself. It's a huge ask. Debose Review and other pro-slavery Christians 
overlooked what Paul was asking. Paul calls for a radical reorientation of the community's understanding of one particular slave. Onesimus is no longer a cog in the machine of the household. He is no longer worthy because of his usefulness, the utility he provides for his master. Onesimus is now a beloved brother. By faith, he is family. In that particular church, such transformation would have vividly embodied the gospel. Onesimus would be a walking, talking reminder of the power of the good news. And one more thing, hints Paul, send Onesimus back to me to help me in prison. The Christian communities Paul planted are meant to be seeds of resurrection, sites where resurrected life can flourish. Churches are meant to be places of resistance in an empire that would rank us according to our social status. The gospel has power to change not just our minds, but how we relate to one another, if we allow it. Earlier this year, Broad Street's governing body, the session, created the Racial Justice Initiative Team to invite the congregation into conversation and to create safe space for Broad Streeters to learn and grow in our understanding of issues around racial justice. The display by Bob Hines that was in the Narthex earlier this summer about the history of Broad Street and Bethany is an example of that work. Recently, the Sessions Racial Justice Initiative team finalized a congregational survey about racial justice. In the spirit of Philemon, in the spirit of Onesimus, I invite you to share your opinions anonymously through the survey. Taking the survey is a way you can be a seed of resurrection so Broad Street can continue to be a place where resurrection life flourishes. As I've spent time with Philemon this week, I have been of two minds. I am moved to see Paul go out of his way to assist one particular enslaved person. Paul values Onesimus and sees him as an equal. We don't know whether Philemon did as Paul requested, but it seems unlikely that this letter would have been preserved if it hadn't proven effective and met with a favorable response. I also mourn Paul's limited approach to confronting slavery as an evil and unjust institution. Thank goodness we've moved past this letter. Oh, how I wish we'd done it sooner. Historically, Philemon remains linked to massive, tragic human suffering. How I wish Paul had said directly that slavery in any form is antithetical to the way of Jesus. May the gospel's persuasive power, rooted in Jesus' command to love God and love neighbor, continue to change not just our minds, but how we relate 
to one another. Amen.